Chapter Twenty Nine, Beneath the Sacrificial Stone, of the Lost City. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lost City by Joseph E. Badger Jr. Chapter Twenty Nine, Beneath the Sacrificial Stone. Contrary to the expectations of Ixley, escape by way of the war-god's temple was barred throughout the remainder of that eventful night. Tlacopa, the head-priest, together with a number of his acolytes, varying as to force, yet ever too powerful for any two men to force a passage contrary to the will of their leader, remained on duty each and every hour and hence it came to pass that those early hours found our fugitives still beneath the temple, worn through loss of sleep and stress of anxiety, yet firmly resolved not to permit that intended outrage without at least striking one fair blow for the children of the sun. Slowly enough, the time passed, yet it could hardly be called monotonous. Whenever wearied of their darksome waiting, the young men would steal again into the hollow image of Whitzel, there to utilize the cunningly arranged peepholes, now looking out upon the priests, or listening to catch such words as fell from the lips of those nearest the stone of sacrifice. In this manner Ixley contrived to pick up quite a little fund of information, mainly through the confidences reposed in a certain favoured few of the Brotherhood by the chief Papa. And this, in turn, filtered through his lips after the chums once again retreated to the lower regions for both safety and comfort. And then Bruno learned how the adventurous young Aztec, far less superstitious than the vast majority of his people, thanks to the kindly teaching of Victo, child of Quetzal, had in his explorations discovered so many secrets of the temple and priesthood, secrets which he now had no scruple in communicating to another of a different race. Ixley told how, on various occasions, he had lurked behind the scenes while the miraculous oracle was delivering fiat or prophecy, and then he told his white brother how Tlacopa meant to completely confound the children of the sun when once brought before the gods. He tells Slave say, Slave come this way, hide in war god, wait for time, then tell Tlacopa's words. A most infernal scheme, yet the danger of which Bruno could readily recognize, together with the serious difficulty of refuting any such supernatural evidence. Surely your people will not suffer a few dirty curs to do such horrible wrong to ladies like. Why, Ixley, even the gods you fellows bow the knee to in worship ought to rise up in their defense. But Ixley merely sighed, then spoke in sad tones, explaining how he alone had been taken wholly into the confidence of the sun-children. Even the captain of their guards knew Victo and Gladi, as but descendants of the great fair god whom the audacious trickery of a rival sent far away from the land of his favoured people, to find an abiding place in the sun itself. He good brave, he die for them easy, but he not know all. He think drop from sun to lead people back to light. If think not so, dat make face turn black, dat make mad come, great big. As was ever the case when his feelings seemed deeply stirred, 
Ixley found it difficult to fully or fairly explain his sentiments, but Bruno caught sufficient of his meaning to give a fair guess at the rest. He found a ray of hope in the belief that Azotl at least would defend the children of the sun, and Ixley predicted with apparent confidence that the members of the bodyguard would stand firm under the Red Heron's leadership. Keeping thus upon the alert throughout the remainder of that night, the young men were able to take prompt action when the crisis drew nigh. Ixley caught the first inkling of what was coming, and hastily sent Bruno away from the peepholes, dropping a word in his ear as they both prepared for clean work. Through a secret entrance, shaped amidst the drapery which surrounded the pedestal of the mighty Huitzil, a slave of the temple crept to play the part of Echo to Lacopa's evil will, and scarcely had he secured what was to be a place of waiting and watching than the attack was made from out the darkness. Ixley flung his tunic over the slave's head, twisting both ends tightly about his throat, effectually smothering all attempt at crying aloud for aid, while Bruno clasped arms about his middle, holding hands powerless to strike or to draw a weapon. A brief struggle, which produced scarcely any noise, certainly not sufficient to reach the ears of priest or helper. Then the trembling, unnerved slave was bundled down that narrow passage to be dumped in a remote corner, and there effectually bound and gagged by the young men. All this was performed without hitch or mishap, and then, nerved to fighting pitch, Ixley and Bruno went back beneath the stone of sacrifice, resolved to play their part to the end in manful fashion. There was no further fear of intrusion, for, of course, Lacopa would never think of endangering his own evil scheme by risking an exposure such as would follow discovery of his slave oracle. As Ixley truly said, such discovery would end in the Pabas being slain by his befooled people. Their patience was sorely tried even then, though a goodly portion of the blame belonged to their fears for the sun-children rather than to the actual length of waiting. But then, amidst the solemn invocations led by the high priest, the bodyguard marched into the hall of sacrifice, and Bruno caught his breath sharply as he beheld Gladys, not her mother just then, for the first minute only, Gladys. Then came the bitter denunciation by Telacopa, followed by the coldly dignified words of Victo, after which the innocent lamb yielded up its life in order that the future might be predicted through the still quivering heart. With a fiercely exultant cry, Tlacopa hurled the vital organ towards the accused, it striking the mother upon an arm, then glancing further to leave an ugly smear upon the daughter's shoulder, ere falling among the eager multitude, who fought and struggled to secure at least a morsel of the hideous thing. "'Behold! The gods hath marked their own!' cried the high priest, his harsh tones fairly filling the hall of sacrifice. "'They are guilty of all crimes laid at their door. They merit death a thousandfold. The mother of gods hath spoken.' "'To whom but thou, Tlacopa?' sternly cried the captain of the guards as he stood firm in spite of the ominous sounds which were rising from the rear as, as well as from either side she hath spoken unto me as her worthy representative on earth and there are those who say much religion hath turned thy brain good tlacopa 
retorted Azopl, holding his temper fairly well under control, yet with blazing eyes and stiffening sinews. Are thy ears alone to receive such important communications as— "'Silence, thou scoffer!' fiercely cried the high priest, lifting quivering hands on high, as though about to call down the thunders of an outraged deity upon that impious head. "'She who hath spoken once may deign to speak again. Hearken! Hear the oracle!' Doubtless this was cue for the slave of the temple to repeat the words placed within its mouth, but that slave was literally unable to speak a word for himself, let alone others. Yet the oracle was not wholly silenced. "'Talk out, or I will!' fiercely muttered Bruno, giving Ixley a violent punch in the side. "'Talk out for the sun-children!' The young Aztec needed no further prompting, loving Victo and Gladi as he did, hating and despising the high priest. And in shrill, clear tones came the wondrous oracle. Tlacopa lies! Tlacopa is an evil dog, the mother of the gods loves, and will defend her friends, the children of the great and good Quetzal. How much more, Ixley might have said, had he been granted further grace, will never be known. Tlacopa shrank away from the speaking statue as from a living death, but then he rallied, savagely thundering. "'Tis a lying oracle! "'Tis an evil impostor who has an omen, a true omen, my children! "'The evil ones hath been branded for the knife. "'Seize them to the sacrifice!' That vicious cry was swiftly taken up, but the bodyguard closed in around the menaced women, presenting arms to all that maddened horde, while their captain sternly warned all good people to fall aside and make way for the children of the sun. Then that secret entrance was flung wide, permitting two excited young men to issue, Tlacopa reeling aside from a blow dealt him by Bruno's clenched fist, as that worthy hastened to join forces with the bodyguard. End of chapter 29